Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast, once again powered by our partners at Code Sports. We are at the end of round five of the 2023 Supercoach season and sitting down with me once again to talk about everything that we have facing us this week. It is Pistol, mate. How is your week? How's your rank? And uh, can you stop flaunting in the group chat? Because I already know <laughs> the answers to all those things. Um, look, I'm, I'm just chipping away at the ranks here. Two, three, six, yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two, three, six, four, up to three and a half K. So just halving my rank from my extremely slow start where I was out in the yeah. 60s, 70s, whatever K it was. But um, yeah, look, the team's, the team's come good, Chizo. So I just need to keep pushing yeah. and I'm going to just keep burning through my trades because I'm screwed anyway with the amount of uh, trades that I've used. So may as well just keep going and see see how high I can go. Now, can you confirm or deny that you tried to use six trades earlier today? <laughs> there, there was this weird glitch. Um, I'm sure some people have noticed that like... Glitch, when, quote unquote. When you tried to trade in plays, like the filter disappeared. Um, and I was just like playing around with it. And for some reason, it was letting me make six trades. So for a brief <laughs> period of time before I refreshed and it all went back, it's, I had a, a picture on my screen of me having like lots and lots of little Xs next to my trades um, <laughs> while I tr- attempted to just use all of my trades in the one round. Yeah, it looked like me when I go temp in bowling. Just a, bu- a bunch of strikes. Yeah, hey, yeah. mate, um, I, I had a 22.76, which I thought was really, really good until I went into game day 
um, when uh, the the round finished and saw all these 23, 2400 scores and that kind of deflated me a little bit. But definitely not too disappointed. I do want to give a shout-out to uh, – I got hit up on Twitter – to be uh, basically told that I only lost this like matchup in the in this person's league because they had Radagalia on field and uh, the the rat giveth and the rat taketh away is uh, what we've learned so far. Um, but that twenty two seventy six finally brought me into the top thirty k pistol, just squeaking in, uh, went up six thousand ranks to twenty nine seven sixty seven. Um, twenty eight trades uh, remaining as well, so I've got a couple up my sleeve compared to you. Um, and just and again, I think we're we're both copping green, but I guess it's just another one that we can we can add to the uh, we can add to the rack this year of things that have gone wrong in our team and premiums that have missed um, is just another thing to to consider uh, how we've I've kind of gone this year and ended up in the thirty thousand. So I know you said that you started slow, but this year has been pretty pretty struggle street for me so far, um, mate. We do have. Uh, some prize league winners for the month of March that we're finally getting around to. Um, I believe you've got those in front of you. We've expanded the the amount of prizes that we gave give out this year that have gone up from two to five. So uh, there's a bit more love getting around those that are playing prize league. Yeah, apologies for the delay. Um, we did calculate it at the time. We just it's got, run by JP got, now. Got excited and we forgot to read it out in the podcast. So. <laughs> totally our faults, but um, no, yeah, the winner last month, uh, Cheeky FC Ryan, he scored 6,703 points. Um, so all these people are getting prizes. Um, Frizy's Ferals, Ashley, 6662 points, and the rank and file, Craig, 6661 points. Please contact JB on Slack or Patreon or however you were at whatever your preference is, um, get in contact with JB to organize your prize. And we did the uh, Lucky Dip, which we've changed to uh, play, a player from the bottom 10%. Um, so it wasn't going the last place or it'd be easy to tank for. So Lucky Dip from the bottom 10% was um, Bailey's Bags, Rob, Coach Rob. Um, and yeah, please contact JB. And the complete Lucky Dip just from everyone was Unleash the Package of Robert's. Um, if you could also contact JB, lots of contacting JB, please do, and that will uh, get your prizes sent to you. So thank you very much. Yeah, JB's actually reached out for a, a small loan of a million dollars so we can post all those. <laughs> um, but, but also I should mention that he's been absolutely killing the content over on YouTube. So if you haven't had the chance to jump over to Dr. Supercoach on YouTube, definitely do that because he's been doing a captaincy video every week. Um, he's getting very good at doing thumbnails and I highly encourage everyone to, to cut his face out and make memes out of it because this was my entire plan all along was to get him into YouTube so that we could end up with just tremendous amounts of fantastic memes of JB's face. So absolutely go over and check YouTube if you haven't already. The last bit of housekeeping pistol, we do have one Cancer Council donation uh, from the past week. Um, yeah, we've got Ben. Ben says, for the 51 points I missed out on by leaving McKenzie on field, thinking he would either play or not play and be covered by the emergency if he didn't. Um, instead, I copped McKenzie's 14 from being subbed on. So donating for dumb things, Ben, which we appreciate given Hawthorne announced McKenzie was going to be sub on the Friday and it was posted <laughs> everywhere. Um, Come on, man. So missing He's that, just donated. Don't roast So him. If missing that, you know, that's... Uh, well, look, we appreciate the, the donation for dumb things. Certainly lived up to its name this week. 
<laughs> All right, mate. Let's jump into some super coach. We got some. Usually, we start with sort of like premium options that we we were looking at in the week. But I think it's it's one of those rounds where I, I think our choices are going to be dictated by our rookie movements, who we are planning to get out and bring in, etc. Um, so I probably want to start off with the rookies that are probably on the chopping block and not that we want to get rid of them. It's just a purely unemotional um, mathematical construct where you're just like, look, you're not going to, as much as I love having your, you in my team, you just, you're, you're the one that's not making any cash. And I think the, the, the first one that jumps out is McKenzie pistol is that 14, you know, like he, he clearly is a good player. He's got that, um, the the ability to score well as we saw at the start of the year, but that fourteen is going to be in his cycle for um, another two weeks, and it's just you know, man, like it's it's going to kill his cash gen for like the next month. Like we might be back in a month's time, and he's basically like the same price. So, firstly, you said we don't necessarily want to um, get rid of these rookies, but I definitely necessarily want to get rid of McKenzie, um, and that's that's purely because he. As you said, you'd have to hold him to get um, this 14 out of his rolling um, price cycle. So you'd need to hold him for a month. But his role has changed from the beginning of the season where he was getting um, a higher amount of CBAs and he was able to put out good numbers. His CBAs have dropped off and so is his scoring. So even if you're holding him, unless he's going to have a sudden role change, which I'm not expecting at all, um, I don't see that many good scores um, coming his way. So for me, he's the first name out on our team sheets this week. Yeah, and he, he's gone from 52% in round one, then 25, 17, 7, and 28%. So he's clearly got a role that's not destined for midfield. We had predicted last week that he was going to get an uptick without Will Day as he was suspended. He went from 7 to 28%. So there was definitely um, a, a decent He had uptick. a good role when he, was, um, he, when he came on, but it was just... Yeah, that's late. right. Yeah. And Day's it's, coming it's back actually in phenomenal. two weeks. So, well, yeah, after one it's, week. It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal that you come on as the sub and get 28% CBAs. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he came on at half time. So he was, he had, the role was there, just didn't score as well. So yeah. too many, too many concerns. He's out. Yep. All right. The next one that I want to talk about is Jinbi. We, he's probably the one guy that we felt comfortable with so far this year, Pistol, in terms of his on-field scoring potential with the likes of, say, Wilmot and Cowan um, sitting on our benches. Is he a definite trade-out for you? Because he's gone back-to-back 40s. He's just been managed. Like, we, we haven't heard anything that he's, he's going to miss a week or he's going to be the green vest in un- upcoming weeks, but they're just... It's another situation where, like, he could potentially be at the same price in a month's time. Yeah. So here's where I stand with Jinbi. It's he's definitely a sixty percent CBA player. So his role is good. He looks like he's got yeah. good scoring potential, unlike other rookies. So I'd feel pretty comfortable fielding him. However, I am worried that the approach of managing him at three quarter time and subbing him out. I know he got banged up specifically in this latest game. He got a corky, kicked in the throat, you know, just like a, a whole bunch of things. <laughs> Poked, Poked in the, in the eye. eye. Don't forget that. He- yeah. Look, he was through the wars. But at the same time, I think it might be an ongoing way to manage him. And that's what scares me. Yeah. Because you, yep. you're keeping him so you can get that spike game. But if he's only playing three quarters, he's unlikely to be able to reach that potential. And if you're holding him, if you're not trading him this week, 
because of his break even in those 240s in his his price cycle, you're basically committing to holding him for at least four weeks because you want those 240s to fall out of his price cycle. So Mm. I think I'm on my gut feel is to remove him um, while you yeah, you know, while you can, but if you do hold him, it might work out okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if exactly what you said happens, and in a month's time, you sell him for the exact same price. Well, he, here's the the kind of the quant- contrarian opinion. Like, I'll just throw another stat in there: is that since Jai Cully has come in, he's gone seventy percent CBAs in both games, and Jinbi um, is at a, a small. No, but Dom uh, Shee's Dom, uh, Dom not been playing, so I'm going to cut you off even before you even start. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's had a small reduction, but I, I don't think it's been uh, massively impactful. So I honestly still think the role is there. Whether his time TOG is going to be managed, I'm not sure. I, I still think that if we held someone like Jinbi to the buys, we're going to have more reliable sort of on-field scoring. And if you are holding him until that point, like he's not at the top of your trade-out list, I definitely think he's going to come back around and he's going to make you more money. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see a situation where, um, you know, he's he's traded out at the buys for a similar amount of money. I think he's still got like at even fifty k yeah, between now and then. I, I think he'll be over three hundred k at some point, but you know, if it, it might not be worth waiting that long when you can cash him out for now, if if you're able to get an upgrade and get points on your field quicker. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm coming yeah. from. I, I I guess the question becomes is like if you're trading out Jinbi, is it because you're able to replace him with someone like Sheasel or Azebel as opposed to because like if you're doing the if you're doing an um say an upgrade somewhere and the rookie comes on the field to replace Jinbi, like arguably like you haven't made that much of an increase. If you're going from someone that has the potential to average, you know, 70 until the buyers and you're bringing Cowan on for a 45, you literally need to be upgrading like someone that's going to be like 30 points more yeah. on field than, than you other, otherwise would be. Yeah, and you've got to be careful. I think people uh, might be not over-exaggerating but maybe have too high hopes for what some of these rookies um, can score because you look at their average and it's a small sample size and they may have had one spike game such as, such as Oscar Baker and you see his yeah. average is 58 and you're like, oh, you know, I'll cop a 58. But then when you look at his, his actual scores for the season and you see, okay, well, one of those he scored 95. So the other scores clearly have to be a lot worse than that um, to be mm. able to get, that, get to that 58 average. And then it becomes a little bit scary Um relying on them to be on field. But while we're talking about Oscar Baker, Chizo, how do you see him yeah, with a 46 break even this week? Well, I, I pretty much agree with you in exactly what you're saying. I don't see him with the same upside that someone like, say, Jimby would be. Like if you're if you're fighting between like which one of those you're going to trade, um, I'm going to be trading Baker for the simple fact that he's not a fieldable option. You know, like um, he's gone 43, 55, 95 with the spike game and then 47, 53. And it, it was 61 until scaling, Let, let's be honest. Like <laughs> he, he, he I, I, I honestly think that he's had a couple 80 games in there, but they keep giving the points to Ed Richards, but that's just a conspiracy that I've got for myself. <laughs> um, but he's just not going to be that, that, that sort of player that has the ceiling um, or is going to have frequent enough spike games to get him much higher than what he already is. Like he's already at 250K. There's a lot of rookies that we have that only make 
you, you sell out for 250k. I remember like Harry Jones a few years ago, he made 250k, and you're like, okay, cool, awesome, you're out. That that's the. We, I think we can be we can rest assured that we're not going to start and see Baker come out and average 70 for the rest of the year. Can I have a hot take here? Yeah, go for it. So, I think given what we saw in the preseason where he had that like 110 game, and then round three we saw a 95. I think yep. this Oscar Beck is probably a hoverer of 250k mark and that you could probably sell him at various times throughout the season at this price. And it'll be the same price, yeah. If, yeah, he's, yeah. if he's a bench option, as you said he is, because I agree he's not an on-field option, and if he's a purely bench option, I think you can kind of just let him stay and wait for that next spike. I mean, he's got Fremantle this week and then Hawthorne at Marvel. And if you manage to hold him to that Hawthorne at Marvel game, that, that might be the next spike. Um, and then we potentially could see him jump up to over 300K and you'd be really chuffed with that. I, I just, given his break-evens in the 40s, he's not really going to lose money that much. He's just going to literally hover until the next spike game. So I am leaning towards just keeping him on my bench until that occurs, just not yeah. not playing him yeah. ever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess the 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 counter to that and the why he's like he's seemingly so obvious as a trade out because um, he seems to have kind of not really peaked, but he's made like eighty five percent of what we expect him to make. Yeah, is that there's not a whole lot of trade out options this week that you can do a whole lot with. Like yeah, maybe true. Cowan, you know, Cowan Cowan's even worse. He's he's like a forty averager, right? And he's only two hundred k, and like you could hold him for another month and he gets to two twenty, and it's like well. I still can't do anything with him. You know what I mean? So it's it's um it, it's sort of like we he he just fits that mold where he's sort of topped out. Yeah, you could hold him for a bit longer, but he's got the cash that's going to allow me to do something. Like you you that extra fifty five k I yeah, think it true. is between the two might 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 make the difference. And uh, the next name that we jump into is uh, like Davy. Davey, again, is going to find it hard to get back into the Essendon side that performed so well on the weekend, even though he, he does seemingly play a really good role for the Bombers and I think they really like him. Um, he copped that shoulder knock and he got stood on late in the game. Like he, he was, he got banged up a little bit. But again, like you're trading out Davey this week to try and like you, you're obviously, if you're trading out Davey this week to try and do something with him, you probably, it's because you're using a boost. And you're probably using that boost because you don't get enough cash from Davy. Yeah. And so that that's where the argument becomes with let's use Baker because that extra 60, 70K actually makes a difference. I guess if you're saving a boost, um, I can I can definitely see the point in that. But, you know, well, it saves you a trade if you're saving a boost as well. Um, so then, yeah. yeah, use Baker. But Davy's an interesting one because I, I see him also as kind of a hoverer, but uh, he's going to hover around like the 210K mark. Or 220k yeah. mark rather than the 250k mark, and as you said, when you're hovering around the 220, it doesn't really it doesn't get you anything. So it's still going to yeah. take a downgrade at some stage to be able to. I, I, cash I honestly him out. think that da- Davy is a life for life for Baker. If Davy keep, keeps playing games until the buy, you'll get him at 250. Yeah, I, he's I just, got 58, 45, 66. No, he definitely can't do. So I, he can't I think do Baker can but, get to 300. But, That's I guess my hot take difference. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it, 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 if you time it after a potential spike, then you can get him for 300. Whereas Davey, I honestly think by the time that I'm looking to trade him out, he's going to be 250. Yeah. That's just the way I see it. So, Although they've got they've got Collingwood, Geelong, Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Richmond before they play um, 
Eagles and North. So there's absolutely every potential he either doesn't get brought in because of the big games that they've got there, or when he does, he gets 20. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And and he's still going to be a sub-risk anyway on top of yep. all of this because Snelling came in and was really good and... Yeah, they might play smaller or whatever, but some games they might not play smaller, and then he yeah. becomes a sub. But he also is uh, he's he's a sub risk for being subbed off. I don't think he's the type of player they want to sub on. Like, oh, we're really? we're losing quick. Let's sub off. Let's sub off a tall guy and put Aaron like Aaron Davy, Alan Davy in the forward line where he gets three touches for the remainder of the game. Like, I feel like they're going to pick a senior body that can come yeah, on and could. make an impact. Yeah, it's possible. It's yeah, it's true. Well, all right, next one. Yep. Unless you got something last on Davey, I'm about to move on. No, 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 go on. I, I was going to say the reason that we're talking about Baker and such is because the next player I want to name is Chandler. And while he's got an average of 73.8 and he is still projected to make another 12K this week, he's a guy that's getting very close to 300K and potentially topping out. He's gone back-to-back 50s. Um, if he does another 50 this week, he's only making like 5K and suddenly you've got a 285K player that's going nowhere. So um, he, he's still got a little bit more upside than Baker. They've got a very similar break even, but I think the potential of um, Chandler playing well this week and scoring like a 60-plus is probably higher than what I expect from Baker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I... I mean, we'll talk about tr- our potential trades later, but yeah, if I if I could do my trades and hold Chandler over Baker, I would do that in a heartbeat. I just need that extra twenty odd k, so um, yeah. leaning elsewhere. But uh, yeah, I, Baker's sorry, not Baker. Chandler's upcoming fixtures are easy, as you said. He could pop out a ninety in any one of his next four fixtures and just kind of reset yeah. that that cash making ability. And unless I guess it goes two ways, right? Because if he puts out a third fifty in a row and just kills his cash gen, he becomes almost a, almost a must-trade out um, yeah. purely because you don't want to lose the money that he's already made. So um, that one, if you, yeah, you, you're opening yourself up to being forced into a, a trade the next week if you do hold him and it goes badly. So yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's a tough they, one to balance, yeah. They, they do have Richmond North GWS Hawks in the next four, yeah, so it's I, definitely a good run for... <laughs> Surely he does well in, in one of you those games. You would think so. Yeah. He's gone 93, 71, 90, 59, and 56. I mean, even if he gets a, a kind of a 60-plus in there, like he's not going to be making a stack of cash. But he, again, he's sort of one that you feel a little bit... Like I'd feel more comfortable playing Chandler. Like if I if I was like organizing my trades and strategically trying to figure out, like if I bring in a forward rookie this week... Uh, as opposed to a midfielder, that means I get to play Chandler on field as opposed to someone like, you know, like a Cowan or, you know, yeah. Davey is suddenly a M8, like whatever situation you might be in. I would be more inclined to orchestrate my trades in a way where I get to keep someone like Chandler on field and, and, and sacrifice the likes of Baker, even though they could be very, very similarly priced at the same time. Yep. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think that's that's very fair. But but, it, but also, also there's no problem if you're in a situation where it's like, I need the extra 25K to do the trade I want to do, and that's just Chandler's the one that's sacrificed. Well, yeah, because it's not a guarantee that he has a good score. I guess it's part of the risk-reward. But, Chizo, I think yep. any other player not mentioned has at least one more week in them before they need to be yep. culled. I think that's that's the or they haven't way. or they haven't made enough like Cowan <laughs> or they haven't made enough like Cowan so it's not worth discussing really. But what about <laughs> well let's get yeah you some trade ins yeah trade ins okay who's hosting this place mate I don't know hey, I don't know what I'm doing I keep if talking if you want to take over, over the po- if you want to sit in the hot seat 
you can. You just got to speak up and let me know before the podcast. I didn't even right? have so the. Good. I didn't even have the run sheet. I'm just. I'm like. I'm just taking over. <laughs> it's like this is where it's going now. We came up with the perfectly planned run sheet. I'm just going to do whatever I want to Mate, do anyway. <laughs> you're 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 chomping at the bit because you want to talk about some trade in options. I'm going to start with Matt Roberts from. Um, the Swans. I said to you off air like two or three weeks ago that what's the bet that Matty Roberts is a guy that's going to play every game to start the year and he'll still be bargain basement price because he just keeps being the sub and as soon as he comes on, he's going to be someone we want. That has absolutely turned out to be true and we've seen him pop out. Of, like I was I was actually surprised when he at that 90. Like I, I can't say that I noticed him what, like a whole lot, but he was just doing the job that the Swans want and the thing that we know about Horse is that when he brings rookies in, it's because he planned. He's he's not like an in and out type of coach. He when they he brings them in, they're going to play. Yeah. Well, look, Roberts is for me that 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 pump and dump type of player. I think he's going to come in for that quick. He's going to come in for a, a short time, um, a good time, but not definitely a long time. not a long time. He's <laughs> going to make us money in the next couple of weeks because of this 93 and then likely as um, Swans get their players back from injury and get their team a bit more settled, I think he might find himself back as the starting sub. So when that happens, you know, it'll be time to jump off. But currently this week, he ends up with a break even of negative 22 and I would think given their extended injury list and how well he played, I mean, look, he played very well. He didn't do – it wasn't like he got one, like, a mass, massive amount of ball. He just didn't turn it over. I think he was going at 100% efficiency until the last quarter. Um, and he just did all the right things. So that's how he accumulated up to 93 points. But his role's all over the place. He was playing on the wing. But when he's played as a sub before, he's gone forward. Um, sometimes he's gone in the midfield. It, it's really – Swans have such a versatile team. They've got players that can play literally anywhere, like Mills um, and and Parker can get thrown all over the place. So all these players, and Roberts is kind of not to the same extent as those guys, but he'll just play wherever the team needs him. So it's pretty hard to predict how well he'll go. But all I know is that a 93 means for the next two weeks he's likely to make money. If he manages to put out like a 60 this week, that will be huge for his cash generation. He can make 100K in like, Two three weeks, so yeah, I think he gets at least one more game, and then we're just praying he gets another one after that before being the sub again. It's against Geelong at GMHBA Stadium, so it's like the worst possible matchup for him. But I think you just got to back, you got to back the numbers in. He had incredible um, VFL numbers. He was basically getting around thirty touches in like the last. I don't know, eight, nine weeks. Um, so he's a good accumulator when he has the right role. I just don't think he's going to get that same role in the AFL team as, you know, the, the Swans team um, in the VFL. So, yeah, basically, Chizo, I think what I'm getting around to saying is he's my number one trading option for this week. Yeah. There, do you... Are you concerned that there's so many Swans players that are sort of like a couple like weeks away? Like, um, I know Franklin's only like maybe a week or fortnight away. Hickey wasn't far as far as I'm concerned. Um, McCart- the two McCartans yeah. uh, had concussion that might potentially be available this week. Absolutely. Like, there's, li- there's literally three or four guys that could suddenly be available. Um, and he's really only gone from the sub to getting game time because 
they they're missing players. Yeah. That's the part that concerns me. He's he's in that you know twenty to twenty four range of best Swans players. So given the twenty third is the sub, you know, at, on any given week he might miss the game entirely, be the sub, or just scrape in. And like one thing with you know you can't predict his injuries, and they keep happening, and you don't really know if players are going to come back and when they're going to come back, and. Um, I'm just going to not pass up the opportunity because at worst case, he gets one more game and makes me 50, 60K and then becomes a sub and still has a negative break even. So we'll still make another 10K. Um, I like the fact that he's got DPP now because he racked up his fourth game clutch um, before the price, before the uh, positional changes. So getting that forward mid eligibility is also really handy just adds a little bit of uh, bonus value to him Um, otherwise you also need to compare him to the other rookie options and I think that's where I start to get more confident in Roberts because of my complete lack of confidence in the other rookie options that are available Chiso. Well, let's speak about his direct competition in terms of like a midfield rookie spot, and that's uh, Johnson from Fremantle. Uh, Once again, someone that's been playing as the sub for a a considerable amount of time so far this year finally gets a uh, a full game, and uh, I thought he was good. I didn't think that he he was really shooting the lights out at any point, but a 67, I think it was, against um, the Gold Coast as they uh, kind of got run over the top in the first uh, first half and then just powered their way back towards the end of the game and and uh, the gold Co- uh, gold coast really tried hard to choke that game um again the th- the thing that i have concerns in terms of matty johnson is that like they clearly like him we we touched on him in the preseason and he was in on our bench in the midfield bench for a considerable amount of time until yep. we realized he wasn't going to get a spot he's been fringe the whole time and then this week was when Fremantle was like, hey, we've not had a great start to the year. Let's throw a few magnets around the board. Sam Sturt came in for his first game. Um, he was another guy. Like, There seems to be a rotating door again between like 18 and 24 uh, in their squad. And he could literally just be the sub again. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite concerned about that for Matt Johnson specifically. And that's because Will Brody came on as he was the, the sub and he came on. He's been killing it in the uh, waffle. So he I had was, like 40 touches or something last week. Yeah, I was expecting him to come in and he's uh, he's too good for the waffle and I, have, I imagine he'll find his way back into that Fremantle side from next week onwards. I don't know if he'll be dropped again. But it just means that the role that Johnson then takes, like he, he was kind of getting a bit of mid-time and then, Brody came in and then Johnson got pushed to like this wing half forward sort of hybrid role, um, which isn't typically a great super coach scoring role as well. So I just have, I guess, role concerns for him as well as job security concerns at the same, you know, in the same breath, you got five who's out indefinitely, I think it is. Um, and that might be good for Sturt, but I don't know if that's great for Johnson specifically because he's not forward and Swikowski's gone with um, that injury as well. And I'm, not sure, probably a couple of weeks until he's back. And then you've also got um, O'Driscoll, who I would think is a starting winger. Well, at least I did think it was starting winger. He missed and then it came out today that he just like had the flu. So he's going to yeah. be fit this week. So does he just yeah. come straight in for Johnson? Probably not. They probably give Johnson another week because he did perform quite well. But I, I'm just quite scared of what, you know, what, what is the Fremantle team who – 
are complete shambles, really. I'm just going to call it how I see it. Um, <laughs> wow. Where did that come from? Well, I mean, they've, they had – we were talking about starting – They're a rebel. No. What a rebel. <laughs> they had such an easy opening draw. Um, they did, and, and we thought they'd be freaking eight and zip. <laughs> well, clo- not not far from that because we were like, oh, yeah, and, you know, the, the reason why people are considering Fife is he might kick a bag every week, you know, just because of yep. their, their draws being unbelievable. But, you know, you, you're looking at them and they've only won two games and have looked terrible, quite frankly. And they really should have lost against the Suns. They... Yeah, they really should have lost against the Suns. Um, they, they've just looked... They haven't looked good. And I kind of want to stay away from them because I think they'll be chopping and changing, trying to find a winning formula. And that might mean... I mean, it might mean good things, I guess, for the rookies, but I, I feel like I don't want any part of this. Um, I guess if I'm desperate and no one else is named, I, I could go there. But it's not a comfortable pick, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll, throw, I'll throw another complexity to it. Um uh, Brody was the sub. He had forty-eight percent. Jaeger, uh, this is time on ground. Sorry, Jaeger had sixty-five percent, and Johnson had sixty-six percent. So even in the game where he was the starting, he was starting in the twenty-two and was not subbed off. He still had basically the lowest possible time on ground out of the team, which indicates to me that like he's one of not not he's not that he's not important, but there are plenty of names ahead of him uh, in terms of their squad, which really really concerns me. Um. Yeah, and and I guess the best thing about their injury list is they don't have anyone sort of, uh, unlike the Swans, they don't really have anyone that's like pressing to like come back immediately like this week. So we obviously could see him selected again and, and be faced with the same questions next week. Yes. Well, that leaves us really with the other uh, two-gamer, which is Dylan Williams yep. from Port Adelaide here. Oh, Constable. Oh, two-gamer. No, okay, right, gotcha. Yeah, Constable. Yeah, he's an option. No, he's <laughs> not, not an option. Let's not go there. Um, so had a quick chat with JB uh, before the podcast just for that extra Port Adelaide insight. But um, essentially the interesting thing with Williams is that he's been playing off halfback, so he's listed in Supercoach as a forward, so just keep that in mind. Um, and this week Jonas went out and Burton came back in, so he managed to survive Burton coming back into the side, which we were a little bit worried about. Um, and then DBJ, Darcy Byrne-Jones, who typically plays off the <laughs> halfback, was named as the sub, but then when he was subbed on... Sorry, that was in the previous game, he was a sub. This week... He played, but he played as a forward tagger on Dale, um, which was a role that I don't know if any one of us would have expected him to play because he's played as a defender his whole career. But it was really good on Dale. Like he shut Dale down and then DBJ kicked two goals of his own. So is that a role that is going to continue going forward? I'd say at least it's a role they've got to try again, given how they won the game and it was a really Mm. successful play. So it makes me think, okay, well, Williams will probably play next week. Um, but then you've got players like Orazio who is clearly talented but injury-prone as hell, and when he comes back, you'd think he probably knocks out DBJ, and then where does DBJ go? Does he just not play, or does he go back with Williams? Is that a, a, you know, a future us problem that we don't care about and we just take Williams while we can? Um, mm. I don't think there's... I, I think it's, it's one of those cases where if he plays well, he can stay in the side, which yeah, I, I feel is 
better than Johnson purely because I feel like there's a limit on how many games Johnson can play, even if he does play well, just because of the volume of midfielders and wingers that Fremantle have and the chopping and changing their sides, whereas technically William could play every game for the rest of the year if he just plays really well. So yeah, I like that, but I'm also scared by him having to perform so well and his scores haven't been you know there's no 93 that Roberts scored for example so he he needs to actually play consistent amount of games to be able to make money so yeah I think he's my second he's my number two trading option this week yeah and uh, there's another thing I'll touch on is that or a couple things you mentioned Orazio Port Adelaide really don't have an injury list like there's Fantasia that I can think of off the top of my head that's like a fortnight or three weeks away from his leg. I can't can't remember. He's if it was always a, injured. A, ham, a hammy. But yeah, well, he, had, he had something. But they don't have. They really don't have anyone that's like oh, I'm only getting a game because of this injury, which is like sort of what's happening with, um, say, Matty Roberts with Sydney, for example. Um, he's sort of getting a game on merit. Like, and yeah. Hinkley again is one of those coaches, very similar to Longmire. Um, is that when a rookie is ready to come into his team, he plays them. Yeah. And the the fact that he's getting – he got two full games. He's not used as a sub. Um, they don't really have injuries to worry about. We know what Hinkley's like. It's It sort of indicates to me that he would be perfectly fine as like an F8 bench option that's just going to score like 50s, like, like what we already have on our bench in that case. But um, – I feel more confident in his job security than Matty Roberts or Johnson personally based on that, but I just don't like... Is he a number one trading option, trade downgrade option? I wouldn't necessarily say the the number one based on cash gen because Matty Roberts and Johnson are probably going to outdo him for cash gen if they're playing as, as part of the 22, whereas I think Williams probably over the long haul is probably going to play like more games and be unsub affected by those if I was having a guess. Yeah. Um, so if and, I were to ask the really, identical question but put more pressure on you, what would your answer be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, he your number, my lawyer. Is, he, is he your number one tra- downgrade option? No. Okay. I'm still going to go with Roberts by the fact that he does have that spike score. So even if we are getting two weeks out of him, you could very quickly make 80 to 100K. Whereas with Williams... If he does end up being the sub in say three weeks' time, he's probably only made the exact same amount, and then his his scoring potential is oh, his, his cash gen is completely kaput. So he uh, that's the only reason I wouldn't put him as number one because if he's getting games to the way that Port are going at the moment with the lack of injuries, and I winning. feel more yeah. confident. And winning, yeah, I feel more confident in it. Nah, fair enough. So I think Chizo, if I just have a an outward view of rookies on the horizon. Um, we've yep. got we've got uh, Corey Wagner from Fremantle who didn't really set the world on fire with a 39 listed as a defender yep. mid, 117k. He's probably he's probably going to stay in the side until Chapman's back in three weeks. So he might yep. get a price rise. I mean, you never know what can happen, right? Someone might get an injury and he might stay a bit longer. But that would be my basic guess for that one. You've got um, from the same team. You've got Sam Sturt again. Um, forward though, but dependent on probably Fife's return. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not. 
I can't really comment on that. I might need some more information on the next couple of weeks and we get to watch him again anyway. And then Seamus yeah, Mitchell. I think Fife's like, sorry if I can yeah, tell you, Fife's like T- uh, TBA. Like they, they've literally got no expected timeline of when he's going to be back. Because the yeah. plantar fasciitis is just one of those injuries that is literally just don't walk on it, don't run on it, don't even look at it and just wait <laughs> till it's better. Yeah, so it's a bit unknown. So we might, yeah, need... Maybe in the injury updates on the Tuesday, so you put out, they might give us more of a, a time frame, see how he's tracking. Um, and then, yeah, Mitchell yeah. from Hawthorne, a defender, midfielder, played, I guess, uh, in a scrimshaw-type-esque roll down back for Hawthorne, but their team without Day is a little bit all over the place. I mean, Finn McGuinness was also dropped, and he might, or well, I would think he's probably going to come back in at some stage because he's... Relatively good. Well, I've got Laird, this, Laird or Dawson this week. <laughs> well, I mean, look, Connor Nash can play a run with role as well as a bigger body. And, and Dawson, I feel like that's a really good size-wise matchup. I would not be surprised in Dawson's current form if, if we see Nash try and run with him. Um, and then I don't know how negative they can be, but if they want to go super negative, they could also try and, and tag Laird. Um, but... I think Mitchell will need to, again, be one of those guys that needs to play really well to hold his spot. So I, I don't know if I'd go early because, yes, he scored 67 and looked good. But in this week, if he, let's say, scores a 30 and is terrible, then he's straight out for Will Day, who then comes back from his suspension and they just do a little bit of a team shuffle. So I wouldn't be going early on him. And that means the rookie outlook as a whole, Chizo. There's also also Ned Long. From, oh, yeah, Ned from, Long too. Uh, is he forward? No, he's a, a mid for, for Hawthorne. He was playing sort of like half forward role from memory. Yeah, he, he was he was doing all right. I think he's probably the guy. I mean, look, Wingard's now out with that severed tongue injury, and I'm not sure what the recovery time is on a, a tongue injury. I For some reason, I think, is it going to be long? I wouldn't expect it to be long. Heals fast. Nah, it, 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 it'll get stitched up. The, the, the tongue heals real quick. Yeah, so he's probably going to be back soon. I... I We'd need to wait and see on a lot of these Hawthorne guys, but the general outlook of rookies is relatively grim, I would say. So yeah. is this a week where we just is it a good time to, to boost to be able to take advantage that there's, you know, three rookies that are potentially decent this week? And should we take take two of them, take three of them? Um, what what do you think is a, a good strategy taking keeping in mind the outlook on future rookies? This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, you've also got um, Corey Warner for Sydney that got his first game but was 
pretty trash. Um, and <laughs> ob- obviously, the just bad role. Ob- ob- obviously, the goat Will Gould got his debut. Only played two minutes of a game and scored thirty nine. So he's he's going to average two hundred um, when he actually gets a full game, which is brilliant. Um, so that there are a few names that are kind of sneaking under the radar, but again, the common theme with all these guys is that you'll bring them in and you're going to be getting forties to kind of spruce your cash gen, which is not great. So if you have the likes of, um, say Roberts, Johnson and Williams that have like kind of upside of 60 plus, I think you do want to take a couple of these guys. I don't necessarily think that they are of such quality that it's like, gee, I have to get all three of them this week because I think two of them is going to be fine and whatever third one you miss out on is not going to be so good that you can't pick up someone next week or the week after that's going to do a very similar job. So um, I would definitely be picking two that you like that work in your team. And uh, also there's a a couple to get like the the reason we're talking about these three is because the likes of Luke Edwards from uh, from West Coast – uh, his elevated price, I think, is 193 or 195k, something around that, and he's not going to be performing to such an extent that he's going to get to 300, 350k, and sort of make that trade worth it as a, a player that we're going to be having on our bench. Uh, Ned Moyle is maybe going to get one or two more games, depending on whether the Wits rumours are true that he's probably going to need a month to uh, in total to recover. But he could also not be playing this week if Wits is back. Um, and Humphrey from um, Gold Coast as well is a very highly talented player. I think pick seven last year, but he's just not. He so, doesn't have the scoring prowess. Yeah, super coach wise, no, no good. Yeah, so I, I would certainly be looking at those three this week, um, or keeping an eye out for the guys in a fortnight's time. So again, the the uh, sorry next week's time when they, they've had their second game. So with those four names coming through with Wagner. Um, Long, Sturt, Mitchell, Warner, Gould. Like we're probably going to find another couple names in there that it doesn't mean we need to do two this week. Would you agree? I mean, I oh, sorry, I wouldn't need to do three. Yeah, sorry, I definitely I, wouldn't I, need to. I do misspoke. Three. three. Yeah, three. I, I, I yeah. think I, w- I wouldn't do a triple downgrade that some people might be considering. I, th- I think if I'm ranking all of those rookies from that one game sample size of the other ones, my top two would still be Robertson Williams. Um, as my one and two, so that makes me lean towards either double to go upgrading or boosting if if you can afford an upgrade there, and you have the correct you know right players to trade out. Um, so I would lean towards boosting to grab Williams and Roberts, but again, as you said, someone might match one of them next week unexpectedly, and you boost next week instead and and get those guys. Um, so yeah. Plenty of ways to play it. That's probably just my how I'm feeling about it, Chizo. But can I throw a curveball to you, cool. Chizo? Yeah, absolutely. Play curveball, putting you on the spot here. Um, if if you think some of those rookies yes. are unlikely to make more that much more than 100K because yeah. their scoring potential is low and sub-risk and stuff like that, would you mm-hmm. consider jumping on somebody with a really low break even? Uh, hypothetically, let's talk about Chase Jones, who has a negative 31 break even. Um, he has scored, he was sub in round, round three and he scored um, just a lowly 34 before playing the next two games and scoring 93 and 116. Listed as a defender, 308K. Um, the break even of negative 31 means that if he can manage to put out a an 84 average 
I know it's very randomly specific. Um, he will make approximately 87K, but you also get the points on field. Is he somebody worth potentially looking into and trying to make your money through a mid-pricer rather than making your money through a dodgy rookie? I'm going to personally say no, um, and that's primarily coming from the way that I play. I know that there's been different strategies employed since the trades and boosts and stuff have been implemented. I think that it's more of a headache causer than a headache solver or reliever in yep. that you're gonna, you, you could potentially have this 300 thousand dollar person that you've just invested in like you've, you've literally spent 50 grand to go bake it a chase jones and i just don't have the evidence behind jones to expect that he is going to do that 84 average and then if he does do that 84 average you know is 70 80k or whatever you, you mentioned going to be enough to to justify that position i think i would honestly a lot of these guys that we're talking about, you know, the Roberts, the Williams, the Johnsons, and you know, even the the one game players, they're all bench options. They're not players that we're expecting to play on the field. Um, I, I feel like Chase Jones would be a bit more of a headache than a, a problem solver. Yeah, look, Adelaide have looked quite good um, lately, I would say, and they're playing Hawthorne, so I would expect them to win. Um, in round six, but they come up then against Collingwood and Geelong and then St Kilda, then Bulldogs, then Brisbane, which is far from ideal. I think uh, they might get a little bit of a, a lesson, um, I guess we'll wait and see, apologies to, to Crow supporters, but uh, it, it's going to be a little bit of a different class of opponents that they've been playing. I know they just played Carlton who are really good, but let's just ignore that um, for my point. But <laughs> if he if he were I mean this is what we see with mid prices quite often when you know we've looked in the last couple of years when these mid prices in like the three hundred k range score you know one hundred and eighty and then their break even's like minus forty and you're like oh I'll get this guy in because he's going to make a lot of money and then yes the first week they make fifty k and you're like okay great but the problem is that they put out a fifty score to make fifty k and then the next week suddenly their break even's like thirty five and then they put out another fifty and you make seven k and you're like oh oh, no, I've traded this guy for back-to-back 50s. He's made 57K, and I now need to trade him out because he's going to lose money. And then it's an immediate trade out. And you're like, well, was that really worth it? And then you're not really sure. So you'd really need to be picking Chase Jones at 308K, expecting him to be going, you know, around 90 um, to be able to just, like, continuously make enough money that it it feels worth it. Otherwise, he becomes, like, a very danger... Like you'd almost have to trade him out immediately, um, and I yeah. worry playing Collingwood in round seven um, that he puts out a stinker because I, I mean, look at the end of the day, it's still Chase Jones who we've known for the last couple of years, and he's been prone to absolutely terrible, poor, lowly super coach scores. Um, and I know he's highly rated and was you know high draft pick and all that stuff, but um, I'm not a hundred percent convinced. I did watch him. I know he's looked really good the last two weeks, but. I'm not 100% convinced that he's going to be able to maintain that for multiple weeks in a row still. Could be wrong. Um, And, yeah, it just takes one of those 50 scores, which I think he's very capable of, and then you're like, oh, no, what have I done? Why is he in my team? Um, And then you have that bit of a panic moment. So it's a no for me. It's a yes for your draft waiver. Absolutely big big yes. Um, that's, That's kind of just how I'm seeing it. But at the end of the day... This could be the breakout season that we've been waiting for for Jones, and he, you know, just goes on a, a stream of eighty-five pluses and makes you one hundred and fifty k, and you're really happy. Yeah, 
He's also, I think he's scored 80-plus twice in his career before the last fortnight. So it's like um, you're either getting Chase Jones hoping that he has a big score against Hawthorne to keep his break even low and then whatever he scores against Collingwood, it doesn't matter because he's going to make 30K on top of that and you make 100K in a fortnight. That that that, that would be the play if you're looking to doing it because if you're looking at holding him, yeah. I think that's a, lose, that's a losing hand. It's just how... The thing is, like, if you're investing 300k into a player, which is essentially what you're doing when you're buying him, it's stopping you from upgrading somewhere else in your team, most likely. Yeah. So opportunity cost. That's right. It's the opportunity cost. If I were to downgrade McKenzie rather than paying 40k to upgrade him to Jones, you know, I could be doing a boost this week. I could be downgrading McKenzie, downgrading uh, Jinbi, and then upgrading Chandler or Baker mm. to you know a, a premium option and gaining points rather than I mean you're obviously trying to gain points to win McKenzie the Jones but you don't you don't get closer to finishing your team because you have won fewer premiums yeah okay this is a little bit we've we've sort of stumbled into this conversation pistol from that question I was going to go through some premium upgrade targets but we'll get to that in a second what I want to touch on based on everything we've just said I would love you to explain the importance of upgrade cadence when we get to this point of the season because we talked last week about, you know, last week was really the last chance that you had to do any last-minute sideways yeah. that you were absolutely desperate to do. And from here on out, it's just boom, 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 boom. Get the ne- one in, one out, one in, one out. And, and away we go and start getting these premiums into our side. How does someone like – like firstly, what is the importance of upgrade cadence if you can explain that to people? And secondly, what would – not just Chase Jones, but hypothetically bringing in an elevated player like that due to your upgrade cadence for the following weeks? So to keep it as as brief and and simple as possible, Chizo, if you are downgrading rookies and upgrading other rookies to a premium um, and you're doing it quickly, so using your boosts, you're getting a premium player and higher scores in your field quicker than everybody. But once you're one ahead you're then one premium ahead all the way up until the other person fully upgrades their team. So it has 22 premium players because you won't, if you keep your upgrade cadence up, they won't catch you if you get one premium ahead. And that just means that you might have, what well, we're going into round six, you might have nine weeks of an extra premium score on your field over the rest of the competition mm. or over your rival or your league or whoever you're playing because you keep that cadence up by constantly upgrading and they never get to catch up until they finish their team and you're finished your team. So it's important that you kind of either keep up with the pack or stay ahead of the pack in being able to get these premium scores on the players. But Asterix, at the same time, back to what you said early in the podcast, that doesn't mean you're trading out like you know, a Setterfield and a Hopper and bringing in, you know, Laird and a Cowan onto your field, you know, because your total mm, points yes. there is, you know, what, 180 and you're trading out Setterfield and Hopper who might be going 185. So you end up losing um, in that way. So it's about trading the right rookies out um, for, I guess, the right premiums. But it's, it's you've got to take into account who you're losing as well as, what you're gaining. I mean, I see some people talking about trading out Ashcroft and I'm like, why? I mean, he's averaging 77. Um, it's certainly not harming you having him on your field. And if you really calculate who you're losing 
and it's not it's not just a calculation for this one week, right? Like I could downgrade Bakos on my bench and upgrade Ashcroft, and I'm like, great, I've got an extra 30 points on field. But then next week, because I no longer have Ashcroft and no longer have Baker, I'm, I'm going to need to like bring on, you have to do a boost and put on some terrible rookies on field because I don't have that Ashcroft cover. Um, yeah. And everyone else has him as well. And then I'm starting to lose that 30 points that I had potentially just gained as well. Um, so it's like a puzzle piece um, where you need to really try and downgrade from your bench to upgrade your field. That's like your ideal scenario. And when you can't hit that ideal scenario, you try and get off like the least, the players that are the least highest averaging. I know it sounds simple, but layman's terms, mm. the least highest averaging on your, your field is the ones that you then want to upgrade um, <clears throat> or switch off out of your team. So for example, if you do have Baker as your M8, you know, doing a Baker to Roberts, even though it's a, even though it's a fielded player, might not be that much of a points difference. So then that's the player that you target rather than targeting somebody like Ashcroft um, yeah. to upgrade on your side. So where I'm going to link that to Tom Green, Chizo, and say mm. now this is why it's important to uh, hold Tom Green you know, for that one week because, one, other people are potentially boosting to bring in an extra premium. And if you're just sideways trading Tom Green, they're one premium ahead because what's going to happen next week? Tom Green's coming back and they've got Tom Green and the extra player and potentially bringing in another premium and you've just traded Tom Green to a, a, a premium and then you've just brought in one. So you're still minus one in terms yeah. of the premium. So it's more beneficial to hold players that are injured or suspended during your upgrade time than before the upgrade time because no one was upgrading last week really. Um, so it didn't matter if you sideways traded an injured player. Um, but this is the time during the upgrade season where it matters more about holding on to your premiums if they're missing, you know, specific weeks. The only thing that makes it, I guess, okay to trade a injured player in this time is that if you've got a boost available, you might still be able to do one downgrade, one upgrade, and then a sideways on the injured player and you keep up your cadence because you've, being able to still upgrade in that same week. Yeah. Does that make yep. sense, Chizo? It absolutely does. What I'd love you to do right now is just go back to your dashboard and bring up your total score, and that's going to bring home this following point. So in 2021, uh, I had uh, numerous discussions with you about my upgrade cadence, and there was one week where I bought in side bottom in my forward line who was like averaging 90 for the year, but it just gave me another premium on on field. And then there was another week where, and I didn't want really want side bottom, but mathematically it was like that's how I keep my upgrade cadence. Yeah. And then it, it happened a few weeks later when I got Doherty as like one of my defenders again. He wasn't he wasn't the one fifteen plus that year. He was like a flat ton, but again it was an upgrade cadence. And if we just use like if we just make a really basic assumption that a rookie is 50 and a premium is 100. So you're making 50 points a week and we assume that everyone is like picking up one one final player from the round 15 by going into round 16. So we've got 10 rounds at 50 points. Really basic assumption that is totally not 100% realistic <laughs> and I understand that. But that's 500 points, right? That you could potentially have by having that extra premium compared to your competition by having the upgrade cadence. What's your current total score, Pistol? So it's funny that you said bring up your thing because I just didn't do that when you asked me to. Um, but my, to- okay. my, my total score is uh, 10,958. 10,958. I'm 10,654. So you're 304 points ahead of me. Quick maths, I probably got that wrong. But 
for argument's sake, you're three thousandth and I'm thirty thousandth, and there's. 300 points difference. If you've got that upgrade Keynes going and over an extended period of time, you're continuously making extra points ahead of your competition because you've got on that upgrade cycle, that's going to correlate to you rising in the ranks over time. And if you, like, if I had 500 points extra right now, it'd just be, it's the difference between being where I am and being top 1K. Top 1K, yeah. so I, I absolutely love that discussion and I love how it always go. whenever you and I have these types of like analytical discussions, it goes from let's keep it really, really simple and 15 minutes later, it's like, <laughs> okay, that was as simple as we could make it. And yep. that's sort that, I genuinely love that. So I hope you got something good, uh, good out of that and Pistol, I hope you got your breath back because we are going to talk about some upgrade targets now. And the first thing I want to differentiate between is should we be looking for the Dawsons, the Tookmillers, the Olivers in our upgrade cycle, or should we already be looking for value in the likes of, say, a Parish or a Sicily or even a Sinclair that have dropped in price since the start of the year? Um, is there a particular way that you want to start your upgrade cycle? So this is a funny one just after what we've just spoken about. Um, and if you... If you were to get and pay up, you know, the 700-odd K for Oliver, the impact that might have on your team is that in the next week you can't upgrade. But if you were to get, let's say, um, I don't know. Todd's Parish, for example. Know. Yeah, Parish. Okay, let's say Parish. Um, it's 150K that, difference, basically. 150K difference, and it might mean that then you're able to get another premium player uh, next week compared to somebody who got Oliver, then for the next 10 weeks, if we go back to the simple maths, you know, you're making that that 50 points or nine weeks because it'll be the next week. You get those 50 points per week, those 450. Then you're relying on Oliver in the last seven, eight rounds to make up the difference over the players that you brought in, which he might do, don't get me wrong, yeah, especially absolutely. as a captaincy option. Um, <clears throat> but... Also, there's a, a lot of the times you you rather have be the ones with the points in the bank than the ones the ones chasing down. Um, so there's other risks as well as you just might run out of money and you might just never get a premium team if you keep paying for the most expensive players every week. So with that being said, you need to try and find the balance between picking the players and obviously the balance is based on the scores and their what you're projecting them to score for the rest of the season. You need to try and find the best value value not meaning price but score for price um yeah you pick the best value players instead of constantly the best players because the value players is going to let you keep your upgrade cadence going whilst also maximizing when you do have a completed team being able to you know maximize still your points that your team's able to score compared to other teams so Mm. with that being said cheeser I think Oliver is probably too expensive to get right now um, and he needs to drop a little bit more before he's able to not stop all of your upgrade cadence. Um, I think Dawson is probably in that range or at least very close to it. The The difference with Dawson is he's playing as an inside midfielder now, which we didn't know two weeks ago. Um, yeah. 
So now you're, we were buying Dawson the defender and he was bad value at 600K as Dawson the defender. But then Dawson, 600K midfielder, good value, <laughs> you know, because yes. he's an unbelievable yep. midfielder. Um, yeah. But now he's on the point of, what is it, 650K. And you're thinking, well, the people that started the year at 650K are people like Took Miller, you know, the guys that can average 120. And you're thinking, well, is Dawson as good as Took Miller as, as a prime mid? And you got to ask yourself that question. If you think then yes, then I, I guess you could find value in taking the Dawson route. But if you think, oh, well, actually, it's a small sample size, maybe maybe Dawson's not that good. Maybe he'll go 115, which is still massive. But then he just isn't as good value at that price. And then you might want to just get him later in the season or at his buy and then stick with players who are who are better value. Chizo. Um, yeah. Took Miller is an interesting one of... of uh, I've come up with something, Chizo, which I might be using to try and justify my own selection of bringing Mate, in Tuk go Miller for this it. week. I love it. Um, this is great. So took Miller up until round, what is it, round 14 last year, had 85% average time on ground, and they were all the, there was a high of 89% time on ground and a low of 80%, so it was all in the 80s, essentially. But then after that round for the rest of the season he had an average of 89% which included one uh, two three four five games above 90% time on ground including one of 93% which to me seems like a considerably noticeable shift of a four percent time on ground increase which four percent doesn't sound like a lot but when you're scoring you know 1.2 1.3 points per minute um, a four percent time on ground increase is like six seven points like that's that's yeah. a huge he went up to 126 average during that time of higher time on ground. He came back this year from injury with that that hammy, I believe it was, in the preseason. So his first game back, he had a low time on ground. But every game since round one, he's followed the same time on ground pattern as he did in the, the back part of last year um, after the bye. And that's him still going at that 89% time on ground. So I think that is a little bit of value built into his price where he's probably, I guess, setting himself up, I mean, using last year as a, make a larger sample size, probably for that, you know, a 125 average or so. Um, And he's got coming into a really easy draw where he's got North Melbourne, um, Richmond and Melbourne, West Coast, all of which leak really big numbers uh, to midfielders. Um, I mean, look, minus wits is, not there, which is bad for him, but I think uh, he's just built in the last two weeks for the 122 and 127. Break-even's 113, so he's going to hover roughly around that price, but I do think if you want to take advantage of the North Melbourne fixture, you know, this is a week to probably jump. And then, Cheezer, the last point, I know this is too much on one player, is he's got the round 13 buy, which is just more added value because he's going to alleviate some stress from those other buy rounds. And if that saves you you know, a donut, um, you're adding in an extra five points per game basically to his his tally. So there's a lot of pros here for me to consider boosting because I could boost and get Took, Took Miller or or not boost and get Darcy Parrish. Um, but I'm considering using one of my valuable boosts to get the, the better player um, because I think long-term it's going to be more beneficial for my team. And I worked out if I don't boost, I still can't upgrade it next week anyway. Um, 
So if I can't upgrade anyway next week, then I'm not. I may as well get the better player this week. And that's kind of yeah. How I've you might coming up. You might as well decision. grab someone. Yeah, interesting. I, I think um, Took is. Uh, has always been one of those players that go under the radar and is like under-owned. Yes, he had that injury the start of the year, but I just feel like um, he's honestly one of my favourite players in the AFL, man, particularly like SC-wise. Like there's not many players that you can – doesn't matter which game you watch during the season, he's running from contest to yeah, contest just right. as hard as every game you've watched him beforehand. Like there's no, there's no slacking off when it comes to Took. Um, so I absolutely love him as a pick. I'm a little bit – like obviously the advice we give is super biased based to our personal preferences and the way that we play the game. And I think everyone that listens to this podcast has a profile of the type of player that I am. And one of those ways for me is I always am penny pinching, always looking for value. And Took fits that as well. Like he's already dropped 40K and you can get him at 224 um he helps with your buys but it's also he's also one of those players that i feel like you could pick up for a similar price off his buy so you don't need to take him into round 12 um whereas like the people that don't have stewart and don't have took miller for round 12 this year round 13, could potentially sorry. have it's, it's oh, bugging, sorry, me, round 13. bugging me <laughs> yeah yeah sorry man um they could potentially have two premiums up on you for that buy because they haven't that they've got a full side of premiums around it. So yes, you're going to have the the 18 to fill your your week out of, but they could make 10, uh, sorry, 100 points on you that week by having two premiums over two rookies. Just, well, I mean, um, don't forget, Cheezo, if you have 21 premiums, let's say we're not fully premium, but we both have 21 yep. premiums, it's best 18. So I'm going to get 18 premiums versus your 18 premiums anyway. Yeah, so sure. it's lower. Yep. it's lower chance, I guess, of there being an advantage to your opponent by you having yep. these two guys. So that that's kind of where I'm when I'm talking yeah. about the value of the round 13 guys, that's that's why they have extra value. Yeah, cool. Um and the the reason that I sort of um uh, preface that by saying like he is underpriced and he fits my value, but there's also some some other aspects that I consider. Um I like the 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 sort of players like the the Sicilies and the Parishes um, even like a Sinclair, these guys have all sort of like dropped like between 50 and 70K, I want to say. Even more, um, yeah. Yeah, even more than that. And like take Sicily, for example. I don't think there's there's many of us that are expecting Sicily to not be a trade-in option at some point. Um, I know Sicily's got like a one, I want to say 154 break-even. I really should have looked this up. Yeah, um, close. It's re- reasonably high. So he's probably going to drop in catch this week. Um, but he's the type of player that I'm going to be looking for. Um, the, we mentioned it before. Um, Parrish is literally like 145K cheaper than Oliver. And let's say, you know, break uh, magic number is... 5,000. Is Oliver going to out-average Parrish by 30 points or at least 25 points? I reckon that's a really tall ask for even someone like Clary for the remainder of the season. I would I would put my, my chips behind Parrish to go within 25 points yeah. to, 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 to go that. And so if I'm going to buy a midfielder, I'm looking for someone that's had a bit of a slow start to the year, um, has definite upside, has 110 capabilities in him, and I just feel like he, like 
this is the first time I get to own him. Like, I've never owned him since he's been a premium pistol. I can't. I tried. I tried to stay analytical and try. That's all it is. I don't care what his price is. He's coming in. I was going to be like, but how do you think Setterfield affects him? But at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to matter to you right now. You're going to get your boy into your side. <laughs> I went from helping to being a hindrance. <laughs> no, look, you as... Part of Supercoach is meant to be having fun. Um, if you if you can do it, and he's going to make your enjoyment of the season better, then then do it. That's half, <laughs> that's half the fun of Supercoach. I, I look, I, I totally agree that Setterfield playing midfield time is definitely going to be impacting him. But even on the weekend, he had uh, it was like thirty three or thirty four touches and a bunch of marks, and he was the leading contested possession getter for the team. Um, I, I feel like he has that with or without Setterfield. He's going to be a, a, a good scorer. And again, he could be a, a 110 plus. I'd love him to be 115, but I am really starting my upgrade season by trying to penny pinch. You mentioned that if you get took this week, you can't upgrade this week. Yeah. If I get Parish, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. If I get Parish this week, I'm going to have 110K or something in the bank. Um, chuck in some boost and stuff there, I can really start of uh, sort of grind this upgrade season um, as quickly as possible to try and make up for the fact that I've had so many um, injuries and, and underperformances from premiums and, and, you know, Tom Green being suspended this week potentially as well. So that that's sort of the, 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 the line that I'm heading down. So I'm looking at the likes of... Uh, Sinclair as well is another one that I'm poten- uh, potentially looking at. Do you like? It, it, do you agree that that's sort of like a, a good way that, or at least one aspect of upgrading that people can do to be kind of fo- uh, highlighting these top end premiums that have started the season poorly that are likely going to bounce back and yeah. jumping on those guys. Yeah. So I I really like Sinclair and I really like Sicily to finish you know top six of their lines. Um, I think I'm a little bit more scared of Darcy Parish. I think from where my perspective is coming from this year um, is that because of all of those injuries that I've copped at the beginning, you know, I've said from the last podcast where I was complaining that I'm down 10 trades and I hadn't made an upgrade yet. So my trade situation is very poor, which means I literally can't make a bad trade like for the rest of the season because I don't have trades to waste. So if I'm going to bring in a guy, um, I would probably bring in, you know, a, a Sinclair Maybe not Sicily this week because of the break even, but I'd probably bring in a Sinclair over a Parish purely because I'm personally more confident in Sinclair's ability to finish top six of his line than Parish's to finish it as a top midfielder. Um, so given that's the case, and well, I've got money for for, for Tuke Miller anyway, so I'm going to grab him, but I, I can't take one of these, I guess, more riskier punts um, purely because I don't have the trades to burn if it if it goes sideways um, for me, Chaser. But to answer your specific question about Sinclair, I think um, Jack Steele is meant to be back next week. Is that right? I have absolutely no idea how that is in even remotely possible, Pistol, but that is the word that is on the street. <laughs> so I, like a lot of people know I work in the medical field. I've seen clavicle fractures before this was this is one of those situations where there's not only there's a fracture but there's a um an ac joint dislocation as well like that that clavicle is absolutely messed up and the only way to really fix it is to chuck a steel rod from one side to the other like straight down the shaft of it like they 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 could potentially put plates on the outside and like have multiple prostheses in there holding it together but 
like that injury is a two-month recovery time. How can he be back in a fortnight with a big plate of metal holding him together? Like it's one it's one of the worst shoulders I've seen from a from a sporting accident in, in that respect. And I just he's gonna be like if he comes back, that is like freakish. But also, I'd be super cautious about like the performance that he could put out with that. Like, will he be able to move his arm? <laughs> it's it's going to be super super rigid, and it's going to be painful because it, it it literally has not healed. He's going to be playing with a broken shoulder, only held together by the plates that are there, and being an in and under player, like it just. And again, the Saints have started the year really well. Are they concerned that like giving their captain a rest for a fortnight is going to completely stall their momentum this year, and they desperately need him back? Like, Maybe. surely they could. I don't know, man. Like it, it, it seems, it seems ludicrous that he, he could come back so quickly. Like, well, it's it's, it's great. It's, secondly, whoever shared that X-ray, this is totally off topic. It is that <laughs> someone needs to lose, like get reprimanded by APRA. Sharing someone's private information like that with all their, their name and details and the con- like all that stuff is absolute no-no in this profession. And that someone did that is just as bad. That's abhorrent. Well, I'm glad you got that off the chest, but it's great news for Jack Sinclair because in the first two rounds when Steele played, Sinclair had 0% CBAs and 9% CBAs. So it was essentially running off the back, put out two good Supercoach scores, you know, 110s, great, looks good. Then still goes down. Suddenly Sinclair's got 21% CBAs, 38% and 39% against Collingwood. And we've said it before, these roles where you're kind of in the mid, but you've got your little toe in, you got your little toe out, and you kind of duck it back <laughs> Do in. Do the hokey pokey. It's just not, it's not, <laughs> cons- it's not good for consistent Supercoach scores. So, yes, you yeah. had that 63 against... Dons and he's dropped his price a lot and then put back out two good scores. But I would, I mean, it was a 90 against Collingwood. I don't know if you count that as a good score, but a decent enough score. Um, I would feel better knowing that Sinclair is going to be in the back line when Steele returns. That's what at least I'm expecting to happen. Um, and whilst he might not reach the same heights as last year because he isn't getting the same share of kick-ins, so he's just naturally losing you know, a couple of uh, kicks per game. I still think he can go 105 plus um, and he's good enough and his price is good enough. But his break even still, he's going to be a hoverer, Chizo. I'm going to bring back yeah. that term. So it's what I'm going to be calling these guys. He's going to be a hoverer. I think you'll be able to Hurrah. get him at 540K across the next four weeks or so. So I don't see him as like a desperate trade-in, um, but I, I do think he's a very good trade-in. Well, I tell you why. That's why I want Paris because if Zach Merritt's out this week, Paris gets more midfield time, and we know he loves an Anzac Day game. He does. Yeah, if he gets a one sixty, he's not going to be a hoverer. He's, he's going to be. Uh, he's going to be above six hundred Kia. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's exactly what I'm worried about. And so, like, not getting like if I if I'm going to roll the dice, this is the week I'm going to roll the dice. Fair enough. <laughs> I, can't, I can't blame you for that one. Um, <laughs> Sicily, I think I'd leave because of his breaking as well. I mean. Do I have concerns that he took one of 16 kick-ins last week? Probably. <laughs> um, but he's what? still scoring. He's whoa, still... whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, it's, oh a lot. it's a lot of kick-ins for him not to take. What? Uh, Hardwick. What yeah, the he hell? It's a lot. He took 11? Oh, yeah, my it's, goodness. It's a lot of disposals just to be given. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it is crazy. Um, 
But he had less than Seamus Mitchell. Yeah, they did give him some kick-ins. I mean, look, Sicily, I think he's been playing poorly from my eye test. I, I believe he has not put together a good four-quarter performance uh, the whole season. His last season, he definitely looks better. But the positive is that he's still scoring pretty well. Like he had one yeah. bad game because he got absolutely torched by Geelong. You know, whoop de doo most defenders get torched by Geelong's forwards. It's That's not the end of the world. And he's not playing super well and his floor is still basically 90 plus. Like yeah. that, that seems very good to me. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on him and – He's someone that I feel like is you need a time when to get him because he's he's only going to be cheap for a short time and that's the guy yep. that I think I want to jump on when he when he drops to his lowest. Yeah, so he's had a poor year in his standards and he's gone 111, 99, 112, 76, 91. Yeah. And he's playing poorly. Yeah, I think he's been poor. So Yeah. Will be and and clearly not getting kickouts as well. So that there's all room for improvement with that with that too. So, yeah, let's let's keep an eye on that. I think uh, Chizo, another guy that I think is a really good trading option this week for those that didn't start him, Canelio at 485k. How would you how do you see him as a trading option? Get him if you like being frustrated. <laughs> Who doesn't? And you, that was play that was coach. the <laughs> that was the exact same statement we had last year. So. Um, he's averaging 96 for the year, which is unders, but the amount of times that he's either on 20 at halftime or 80 at halftime only to, av- only to score a flat ton is phenomenal. Like it, it is a, a, a yeah, talent that, that very few players have um, and copying no attention in, in the meantime. But he's gone 140, 143, 107, and 102, there is good scores, and he went 58 and 71, and both of those games, like he had like 30 touches in each of them, like it was crazy. Um, I absolutely still think that he is going to be in the top echelon of the forward line. A lot of people were put off by the fact that we're going to get Bailey Smith, or we got Bailey Smith um, with the DPP edition, uh, and they thought we were going to get Petrarca, but because the Bombers were flogging him, he got a lot more midfield time um, and lost his DPP. Yes. So, another another uh, reason to dislike Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, whereas, like, Cornelio, you know what you're purchasing. There's no kind of, like, we've got another six six or seven rounds to kind of wait until um, the next DPP edition, which will be the buyers, like, when we're really kind of finalising our team anyway. So um, I, I think he's a perfectly fine choice in terms of the fact that I think he's got a lot of value in him now. Um, I'm really, really hoping that he... he he does average 100-plus for the year, which I think he still will, but he's such a frustrating own. Um, so to summarise, yes, I like him as a as a potential upgrade. 485K for a guy who should be top six on his line feels like a really yeah, good pick. Cheap, cheap. Like, well, they're the ones I would target you... last year. Was it that, you know, the, the Dawson and Sinclair, I got in back-to-back weeks at 480K, 480 and 490K. Yep. You know, set up my season. So these are this is the type of picks that you want to get because it lets you upgrade again next week. Yeah. Well, let me throw a curly one. Are you going Cornelio or Goulden if you didn't start them? They're they're within four thousand dollars of each other. Goulden averaging ninety nine point four, Cornelio ninety six point two. Are you taking one over the other? <laughs> That's a tough one, Chizo. I don't like when you put me on the spot. I only like putting. You on the spot. <laughs> um, I probably still At, take Cornelio. Um, yep. Golden hasn't had the floor the this ceiling. year, but he also hasn't had the ceiling. 
I, look, honestly, I think they're both really good. If you if you don't have one of them, I would still probably get the other. I just also kind of feel like Gordon is going to be a hoverer, uh, whereas yes. Cornelio yep. might not be a hoverer because he has the ceiling to go really And he big. has the role. He has the role yeah, the, the, and the, the ceiling. The difference between the two is that Cornelio is going to have consistency in role and Gordon is going to have the role that Horse gives him that week, which may be 40% CBAs, maybe 60%, maybe 20%. He just scores whenever he's around the ball. That's basically how yeah. he gets all his points straight away. Um, yeah. No, that, that's that's a good one, Cheese. I think there was somebody else, but I, not for the life Mills of me. And, Mills and Walsh were two names that I wanted to talk about. Mills is... Um, it was uh, particularly JB was mentioning Mills as a potential starting option because there's not many players in this competition that can go 180 then 200 back to back and suddenly price you out and you can't get him. Um, unfortunately, his role this year has been pretty gross, and so that 70 80k that he has lost is primarily because he's not playing a a, a super super coach friendly role. Pistol, would you agree? Yeah. Look, he. Was playing down back last week, but not in like a good way down back. It was more, you know, when he got thrown down back, it was because they were losing last year and then the ball was around there more and he steadied the ship. He just started back and then played back the whole game um, this week. It's, it's just not not good. I think he's he's too good at too many things and it's bad for Supercoach, so I'd be staying away. I, I'd, out of those two options you just said, I'd be way more interested in Sam Walsh. Yeah. Well, Cal Mills has got 148 break even. He's going to lose some more cash. If it, like we're going to get him sub 50, um, 550K, which is what we all jumped on Petrarca last year. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm getting on him in a where I don't know what role he's playing. Correct. And he's not been, he hasn't been terrible. Um, like he's obviously a fantastic player. He's yeah. gone 94, 123, 103, 87, 97. He's got that floor. He's got literally everything we want in a premium except consistency of role so i think at some point he is going to be a purchase in our midfield if he gets Um, to the right price but he's got to get much lower than what he is yes that's absolutely right just uh throwing out names to have on our radar Uh, another one pistol is walsh i know he was one that you were a little bit cluey about um because now that he's back from his uh i think his back injury that he was recovering from uh, he played pretty well on the weekend. I, I watched that game and, and I thought he was good without being great, sort of getting the cobwebs out. Um, but he, he still racked up the pills, still put on tackles, still um, was effective uh, in affecting the scoreboard. So um, I think he's one that's going under the radar in terms of names that have come up for potential upgrades in the next few rounds. Yeah, so I think Walsh is better pick this year than last and that's because of the way the games have been played like AFL games you know the the faster pace higher scoring um the ones who seem to suffer were those big contested beasts and they have seemingly dropped off a bit but the ones with more outside game um are doing a little bit better so people like Walsh who are just going to be in these scoring chains and you know possession chains I think are going to do really well in Supercoach and given he can run all day he's just going to get a lot of the pill and when you get a lot of pill, you're going to score really well. So I'd I'd be pretty excited to get Walsh this year if he didn't have the round 15 buy. I I can't take another round 15 buy guy um, because of my trade situation. I don't think I'll have trades to sideways trade at the round 15 buy. But if you have a lot of trades and you want a really good POD in the coming weeks, add Walsh to your watch list because I think he could be an absolute star this season. Cheezo, yeah. before I jump uh, on, I'm going to ask you one yeah. that throw one back at you. 
Um, Caleb yeah. Sarong, 573K, has put out a lot of points. This year started with a 70, but then has gone 101, 146, 100, 146. How do you see him, you know, do you see him as a breakout year, pushing into the, the, the top eight mids this season? Where do you rate him? The problem is he's had two breakout games against really poor opposition. So he's gone 70 against Saints that are going well, 101 against North, which is unders for how they're going. Then he went 146 against West Coast, 100 flat against the Crows, which are playing well this year, and 146 against um, the Gold Coast Suns when they fought back. He has the attacking midfielder role that I wish Andy Brayshaw had um, and is kind of benefiting because of that. I think that there is going to this is a breakout year. I think that these his scoring is inflated based on two um, scores against competition where he doesn't really get the same attention from a, a bigger bodied midfield that's going to take control of the game. I think he's good. I don't think I, I, I think I need to see a little bit more before I'm prioritizing Sarong over someone like Parrish, who's 20K cheaper. Yeah. Um, Mills, the exact same price. Cripps, the exact same price. Um, there, there's a lot of names around there that I have far more confidence in than a really small sample size against Sarong, where he's only two of his like the majority of his scores are not worth the price that you're paying him for and the two that are were against clubs that we really can't get a reading on what his average for the year is going to be that's my problem yeah i think that's all those names you said except maybe mills are better picks than than sarong really if you remember beginning of the season we were talking about how i've mentioned it in this podcast how oh five might be an option to kick, kick five goals every week for the first month because it's got great fixtures i mean it, same as Sarong. He had the same great fixtures and now it's starting to get really hard and Fremantle have not looked good at all. So I worry about what's yeah. going to happen when they play good teams, when they're playing poorly. If they're going to get smoked, you know, their, their super coach pie starts disintegrating and also he might not be able to get as much of the ball or be in control. Like I do think he goes, you know, 105 plus, but he's averaging 112 at the moment and I don't think he can keep that up uh, for the rest of the season. But Hey, I'm happy, happy to be proven wrong, but you're still paying like 570-odd K. It's still really expensive. Yeah. So it's not like you're getting I mean, a bargain. That, that's, that's my problem. You, you combine that with the games that you've actually performed in, and I'm not 100% sure. Like He's literally a fantastic player, and this is a breakout in terms of being an AFL footballer. Yeah, for sure. Whether that translates to Supercoach is another story. Um, the last one that I do want to mention, there was, uh, I was actually tossing up with him last week, is that the Seagull, Jake Lloyd, not playing the same role that he was a, um, a, 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 like a Hall of Famer defender for us, but he has always been renowned for that consistency. So far this year, he's had a really good start. Um, he's not, and it's not coming from kick-ins, which is the thing that he relied on for a long period of time. So the question is, has he had that one-year dip where Lizard took more kicks off him, um, and now he's kind of found a way to work himself into that. So he's gone back-to-back 120s after starting the year with 100, 102, and 93, which is kind of what he did last year. He just seems like that guy that's just going to keep getting it done. I just don't know whether it's going to be a 105 average for the year or, or more than that. So for starters, he played super well uh, last week. He was really, really good uh, like defensively and offensively. Typically, his defensive side of the game has been lacking, but he was really, really good. Um, I think the way that the Swans shuffled their backline with Rampy out and the McCartan brothers, they had Blakey playing taller 
rather than being utilized as that that free running halfback, which Lloyd played, and that's why he scored well. Um, when there's concerns over when the McCartan's coming back and Rampy's neck injury, I think I know this. I think it was a one to two weeker or something like that. Um, because of the uncertainty, I think Lloyd is the one that's going to benefit from that. So I, I think he'll score well in the immediate short term. My concern is what happens when everybody's back. I know at the beginning of the season they had everyone and he was scoring well, but last year he didn't. Yeah. And not much has changed from the back line from this year to, to last year really. Like it's the same personnel. They nearly won the flag last year. They made it to the grand final with Blakey as the main distributor. And Blakey is a Jet, so I don't really know if he's able to keep it up for the whole season, but I do expect him to keep it up in the immediate short term. Yeah, yeah. No, I I certainly agree. I think um, he's got that... I think he's going to go 100 flat. That's sort of... I don't see him like being a low 90s like he was last year. I think he, he becomes that 100. But then the players that we've just talked about, we talked about James Sicily who after this week is going to be priced less than Jake Lloyd, I think he is very easily someone that I'm going to be looking at as an upgrade ahead of Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Um, just because he's got so much higher upside. Yeah. No, I, th- I think so as well, Chiso. But I'm going to quickly, before we move on, just throw one last thing at you. If you if you were choosing between Laird, Neil, and, and Tuke Miller, uh, where would you be going? Because all of them have dropped in price. They're all within... 18k or whatever it is 15k of each other um do you have a preference there because there's there's i'm sure or even not even a preference rank them there we go i made i made it somewhat harder i'm gonna go neil took and laird in that order no i'm gonna go took <laughs> neil laird took neil laird. To, like okay. I, I think i think neil and tuka uh, are priced very like very very similarly um, um and oh actually that's the whole point of this conversation it's, it's very hard it's very hard <laughs> um, but but the 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 round 12 buy i think is super helpful i think the problem with neil as he's gone 95 100 117 102 and then 176 so it, his average for the year is flattered by that that high score against a really poor north melbourne um where i think um Tuke's gone 113, 106, 109, 122, 127. And Laird has just been so up and down. Like, I don't know what Laird we're going to get from week to week. So he's had two good captaincy scores, 135 and 147. And he's had a 50, a 114, and a 97 in there. So realistically, I think that's he- one bad score. Yeah, it is, it is one bad score, but... Uh, if we take out his one bad score, he's still going to be averaging worse than the other two. Like he's he still had a worse start to the year than than Miller and Neil for sure. Uh, I I think Neil's worst for me, but I'm splitting hairs. There's you know, they're they're all good trading options. I I think Laird is worth a gamble just because you know what he's capable of. But I yeah, if I had to go on eye test and how people are performing currently, I I would do two Laird Neil. I think. Um, yeah, actually, I'd probably agree with that. Sorry, I've th- thrown you under the bus after you asked, asked me a question. No, that's off all the right. Cuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I realize it's tit for tat. I like yep. that, mate. 
I know it's coming back to me, isn't it? At some stage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've got this uh, really complex question. I want you to tell me about. <laughs> um, I, just before we go, uh, we're going to do some captaincies pistol. I think this is a pretty easy week for me in terms of chucking the VC on English on the Friday night against. Yes, he's going to be against Darcy, but his consistency this year, rain, hail, or shine, has been incredible. Wet or dry, he's gone one thirty four, one thirty nine, one thirty nine, one forty five, one thirty nine. Like the consistency there is freakish so i think he's an easy vc for me on the friday night hey yay we got no thursday footy um and i think that that opens up many many possibilities for our our captaincy option from from that point on like even a laird against hawthorne would probably be probably be the next person that i'm looking at in my side english We'll get 139. I won't need to worry about a captain. So yep. that's that's what I'm going to rely on. But uh, if I'm forced into picking another player, I mean, it's pretty tempting if I bring in Tuke Miller to go with Tuke against North Melbourne. But yeah, can you huge. really say no to Dacos against Essendon in Anzac Day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be massive. I don't know if I can say no to that. That's That's pretty good. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of lot of actually really good options this week. I mean, I'm not even talking about um, um, Laird against you know Hawthorne or Oliver against Richmond, um, Dunkley against GWS without Green. Like there's there's, there's going to be lot. some massive some massive scores this this week. I reckon. Like well, if you've jinxed it now. There, no, but I mean, like even Dawson against Hawthorne is going to be a, yeah, a Dawson, decent, um, captaincy option. I, I think this week, and I'm I'm definitely not trying to jinx it. He, <laughs> the majority of people are going to snag a good captaincy score. Would be my assumption. Oh man, you've just why? Why would like you put I really that think that everyone in the competition <laughs> is going to get a fantastic 140 plus captaincy score. Okay. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, cheese. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to I can see to my, you cringing through the yeah, camp. My, my two my two eighties. That, that's gonna happen with my captain, vice captain. Mate, I had a fifty in round one. What are you complaining about? Oh, the fifty as well, but yeah. Anyway. Any other topics, Cheeso, or are we uh wrapping wrapping this one up? Um oh, I just might finish off what my plans are. I think I'm gonna boost this week. I'm gonna get um two rookies and an upgrade, and I still can't decide between Parrish and Sinclair. And who are you trading out? Um, so I'm probably going to be doing Jinbi, Baker, and McKenzie. Okay. Well, I'm looking at Jinbi, McKenzie, and either Did you say Baker Chandler just, to, just to switch up Baker. the profile. Just the, oh, okay. Either Chandler so or like, Baker. So, I'm, I'm, I, so I, I went McKenzie, Jinbi, and Baker, and you went <laughs> Jinbi, McKenzie, and Baker, and the, the, the order is important. No, look, the order is important. Um, it, it's I might get into. I think I'm leaning that way clearly because I've spoken about it ten times on this podcast already. Um, but yep. I, I do think Sinclair is really good and will be a top six defender. And it will potentially, depending on how players score, let me get Sicily the week after. So I need to take that into account as well. So something to keep in the back of my mind. Um, but I already have Canelio, so otherwise I would have got him. 
perfect. Pistol, thanks for sitting down for the recap of round five for Supercoach in 2023. Uh, don't forget to you can find us on the socials on Dr. underscore SC, Chizo underscore DRSC, Pistol underscore DRSC, and JB underscore DRSC. You can check out the merch store, which also has a little section where you can put in audio notes. So if you've got a question that you want featured on a future podcast, you want to hear your voice as we reply to you live, and I, I throw you've got a question to throw Pistol under the bus, let me know. Um, oh dear. You can also you can also do that, uh, and you can check out any of the uh, the other content that we've got out there, either on Patreon.com forward slash Doctor Supercoach or YouTube. Um, you can find us over or Code there Sports. You can find our article uh, on there. That's every right. Doctor's orders. Shout out to shout out to Kano that puts in some fantastic hours doing those uh, these really really good articles and pistol. Uh, thanks for sitting down, community. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you all in the next episode. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.